more work isn't always better work. Okay, we're talking about efficiency, we're talking about quality movement, always. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast this week. This week's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be doing my very first solo episode this week, but we're going to be talking about how to write your own workout. So you've made it to the gym, you actually got your butt there, now what? What the heck do you do? I think this is one of the most paralyzing problems that people have, even if they've been training for a long time. I know that I personally have that problem sometimes. It can definitely hinder my ability to maximize my time and make sure that I'm getting everything out of that, say, hour that I've planned to spend in the gym. So my goal here is to give you guys the tools so that you can walk into the gym with confidence, have a planned workout, execute it, and get out in a decent amount of time. Maybe you normally take classes and you couldn't find a class time that worked and so you ended up at the gym. Maybe you are working with a trainer but you wanted to add in an extra workout. Whatever the reason might be that you find yourself in your gym without necessarily a plan, we're going to talk about that and what the heck you do. There's so many resources out there. There are tons of online workout plans and videos, and I've even posted some examples of workouts on my wall. So it's definitely possible to look some stuff up and get some ideas and inspo for this. But I want to give you guys the knowledge and the information to kind of sort through what's going to be a good effective workout for me and what's maybe something that isn't going to benefit me as much. What are the kinds of things that you should be looking for? Your first big consideration is going to be choosing your exercises. What movements are you going to be doing? Most exercises fall into a certain category of movement. For your lower body, you have your squatting movements, which is going to be your exercises with a lot of knee and hip flexion. And some people like to refer to these as quad dominant lower body exercises. You've got your hinging movements, which are exercises that are primarily hip flexion, and some people like to refer to these as your hip or glute dominant exercises. Then on lower body, you have your unilateral or single leg movements. For upper body, it's pretty simple. You can divide most things into two categories, pushing movements and your pulling movements. Whichever direction the resistance exists in, that can be either pushing weight or pulling weight. And then you also have your unilateral or single arm exercises for upper body. Beyond that, there are a couple other categories that I kind of think about. Core is one, so exercises that really are primarily focused on core, although I have to say that if you're strength training properly, then your core is going to be involved in pretty much every movement that you do. Then you also have your conditioning movements, and then there's a category of exercises that are crawls and flows and carries, so kind of your locomotive flowing movements. So with all these different categories of movements, how do you choose which ones to use? I like to kind of zoom out on a workout, and if I'm trying to write a really balanced full body workout, then I kind of want to hit all of those categories. 
I want to have something that's kind of like a squat, something that's a hinge, something that's unilateral, something that's a push, a pull. If I can get all of these things into one workout, then I know I've created a really balanced, effective full body workout. You also want to think about what are you doing in your daily life and how can your workout help counteract that? If you have an office job, that means that you're probably sitting for hours and hours a day. Your shoulders might be a little bit rounded forward. You might have a bit of a forward head. You kind of have that posture that's stooped over a desk or a computer or phone. In addition, your hips and hip flexors are probably extremely tight because you spend so much time in that flexed hip position. Ideally, with your workout and your movement that you're choosing to consciously do in the gym, you want to counteract some of those things. To be honest, most most of us in 2019 need to be doing more pulling than pushing to sort of counteract that upper body position and strengthen our back to correct our posture. In addition, we need a lot of love on our hips. You want to think about doing lots of movements that are strengthening your ability to extend your hips long, and your hinging exercises are really going to be best for that. It's also important to think about your goals. So every time that you're stepping into the gym to consciously run yourself through a workout, know your why. Why are you there? What are you trying to accomplish in that hour? And that can be as big as I'm trying to deadlift a certain amount of weight and I want to work myself up to that. Or it can be as small as I just need to de-stress right now and do some light, easy movements that are going to get me breathing and sweating a little bit so that I feel better. Always start with your goals in mind and let that inform the movements that you're choosing. Let's zoom out a little bit more. You also want to be thinking about your training over the week. So maybe you are working with a trainer and you're in the gym with them twice a week running a program and you just want to write something that complements that. Maybe you took a couple classes, you did a workout with a friend and now you're just in the gym by yourself for one last workout. Maybe you're sitting down to write yourself a full program, which I'm definitely a big advocate for. I think it's really important for people to take ownership over their own fitness and try to run themselves through a program for four weeks. You want to first think about how many times a week am I training? If you're training two or three times a week, I would definitely suggest trying to get in full body workouts, hitting as many of those movement categories as possible. If you're training four times a week, five, maybe six times a week, you're probably gonna have to start to break up upper and lower body movements or do some body part splits. The reason being is that you wanna give your muscles enough time to recover, and if you're trying to hit five full body workouts a week, likely your muscle groups haven't properly recovered by the time you're looking to hit that next workout. If you are looking to break things up, there are a couple of ways that you can do this. You could split your days into upper body days and lower body days. This is something that I've done in the past and that I love. Maybe you'll have two upper body workouts, two lower body workouts over the course of the week. You could also divide this up into pushing and pulling. So some people like to do their squatting and pushing on one day and then they're hinging and pulling on another day or vice versa. So that's definitely a possibility. There isn't really a wrong way to do it as long as you're giving consideration to what your full week looks like and do your 
big muscle groups have enough time to recover before your next workout. We talked about this on the podcast before, but you have to remember that training breaks down your muscles. You're not going to reap the benefits of your workouts and of the effort that you're giving in the gym unless you're giving your muscles that time to recover. You need to be fully recovered before you step up to hit that muscle group again. So make sure that you give yourself enough time to do that when you're looking at your week. Some people like to isolate muscle groups even more than that. Maybe you've heard, I think this sort of comes from the bodybuilding world, but maybe you've heard, oh, it's leg day today, it's back day, it's chest day, it's arms day, and it's divided up very specifically into muscle groups. And that way of dividing it up is quite effective for people that are really dialed in trying to specifically sculpt their body to look a certain way. It's not really as conducive to functional strength training. So those of us that are trying to train for life and we're trying to learn how to move our body properly all together as one piece. Often those days have a lot of volume involved on that specific body part. So they're doing a lot of exercises that target a specific body part. Their goal with that is hypertrophy. Hypertrophy responds very well to volume. So that's why they're doing that. That doesn't mean that through a functional strength training program, your muscles aren't going to grow. It just means that it's not your primary sole focus. I never train this way. Um, I wouldn't necessarily suggest it for anyone out there. I think that you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck by focusing on these big compound movements and hitting multiple parts of your body in one workout as opposed to breaking it down so much and really isolating things. But again, guys, there's no right or wrong way to do this. I think a lot of people end up being very dogmatic about their training programs As long as you know your why and you're starting with your goals, you can't do this wrong. I think for a lot of people, just in my experience working with clients, people tend to feel really good hitting three strength days and then one day that's more of a conditioning, just move, kind of sweat it out day. So maybe that's your boxing class if you like to go to boxing or maybe you're going for a light jog or doing some other fun weekend activity. How do you know if you're training too much? If you see a significant performance drop or you notice that over the course of the weeks, you're not improving, this may be a sign that you're training too much and your body's not able to recover. That's gonna be individualized for everyone based on their current fitness level genetics and their body's ability to take on strain and then recover from it. So you kind of just have to listen to your body But if you're not progressing and you're not getting closer towards your goals, it might mean that you're overtraining. If your soreness lasts for longer than 48 hours often, that also might be a sign that your body's just doing too much. It's too stressed. Yes, we all love that feeling of being sore, but no, it's not necessarily the more sore that you are, the more effective your workouts and training are. So don't be fooled by that. The last thing I'll say is that when I look back over my week, I like to have hit each big compound movement at least once. For me, these are my deadlifts, my squats, my pull-ups, and then whatever pressing movement I'm working on at that time. So that might be 
bench or it might be an overpress, it might be an incline press. So I wanna make sure that I went heavy on each of those things at least once over the course of the week. So that can kind of help you with choosing movements as well. If you look back and you're like, okay, well I squatted with my trainer this week, maybe you wanna choose a deadlift. Or if you've hit all of those movements, then you're probably looking at making some kind of circuit or focusing more on unilateral movements for the workout that you're gonna be doing in the gym. Okay guys, I hope this is making sense to everyone. We've talked about the categories of movements and choosing exercises, and then we talked about kind of zooming out and looking at your training over the week, the considerations for how many times a week you wanna be training. Let's talk a little bit now about your workout structure. How do you break down that hour that you have in the gym? For 99% of us, when we walk in the gym, we need to start by mobilizing. Mobility work is so important. Don't skip it. This gets your body ready to be able to move safely. I cannot stress enough the importance of doing some mobility work. The mobility work that's required is going to be different for every person. I find that for a lot of people, if they have a specific area of the body that they know is really tight, or maybe they feel some knots in their muscle or to the touch, it just feels a little bit sore, that might be a good area of the body to do some release work, to get on the foam roller, to grab a lacrosse ball and do some rolling on the lacrosse ball for a couple minutes. For me, it's a different area of my body every day that I walk in the gym and that's just about me checking in and saying, okay, where am I holding tension today and where do I need to focus? Very common areas that I see that people need to address. A lot of us have really tight upper traps. So if your shoulders kind of sit in an elevated position and you hold tension in your shoulders, definitely address that. Again, if you do have kind of that forward rounded posture, then likely your pecs are really tight as well. So you can get a lacrosse ball in there and go up against a pole and you can actually roll out your pecs. A lot of us also need that hip flexor quad area. And then personally, I hold a lot of tension in my calves. So I like to roll out my calves. And these are just a couple of quick ideas, guys. There are many ways you can do this and you kind of just have to figure out what works for you and what feels good on your body. So that's gonna be very individualized and what you wanna target that day. After that, you wanna get your body moving. So this is your mobility work where you're kind of flowing through some movements. It's always a good idea to do things that mimic the workout that you're going to do that day. So if you're going to be squatting, you're going to want to get low into your hips and stretch out out your hips a little bit. One of our favorites at All Day Fit is to do frogs. So that's a great hip opening exercise. 90-90s are also great. You can look up all of these things. There are lots of good videos on YouTube for these. I really like tree huggers to kind of prime that squatting movement. If you're hinging that day, you might want to give your hamstrings a little bit of love because likely your hamstrings are going to need to be warm and able to bear some load. As far as upper body goes, I love sideline windmills. I love dislocates. I love anything that's kind of getting your shoulder moving, getting some fluid into that joint. If you're a bit more advanced, I also love banded distraction work. So a lot of us have impinged shoulders, which means that there's not enough space in the front of our shoulder joint to get our arms properly into an overhead position. Using a band to do some distraction work is a great way to increase your range of motion and make sure that you can do overhead movements safely. 
As a quick self-assessment for your upper body mobility, you can try a wall arm slide. You should be able to perform a wall arm slide before you do any overhead movements or before you put a bar on your back. Once you've mobilized, so once we've increased our range of motion and the big joints that we're going to be using for the day, we want to stabilize that range of motion. So this means we need to activate and turn on the big muscle groups that we're going to need to make sure that we're lifting safely. The three areas of the body that most of us want to target are your glutes, your lats, and your core. So these are big muscle groups that we need to turn on. So we need to make sure that our brain is communicating properly and firing properly to those muscles so that we can maintain a neutral spine, so that we can maintain the tension that we need in our big lifts. Because of all the sitting that we do, we put our hip flexors in our quads in a shortened, tightened position, which means that they're facilitated. They're often on a little bit. So most of us are what we refer to as quad dominant, which basically just means that when you perform any lower body movements, you're probably feeling burning in your quads and not much going on in your glutes. The way that you want to counteract that is you need to release your hip flexors and quads and then turn on those glutes. Really easy ways to do this are glute bridges, booty band work, so banded side steps, monster walks, those kinds of movements. Our lats are so important. This is a big muscle group that many of us don't realize is so important to training. This is the big muscle group that connects our lower body to our upper body. So it allows power to be generated from the floor all the way up through our body. Ways to make sure that your lats are turned on, banded pull downs, banded press downs, something that we call forearm slack. So driving those shoulders back and down, feeling that tension in those big muscles below your shoulder blade, that's what you're looking for. And then the final one that's so important to make sure is turned on before you go to pick up any big weights is your core. Your core protects your spine. And no, your core is not just your six pack. You wanna think of it as a band that goes around your belly. It expands in all four directions. This is what's going to protect that spine. If you're somebody that suffers from a lot of low back pain, there could be a couple of different things going on, but often a part of the problem is that your lower abdominal muscles aren't firing properly to stabilize your spine. My absolute favorite exercise to activate the core is some version of a dead bug, and there are many. So you can do any version that you want that you feel like fires up that core, but in your dead bug, you want your spine to stay neutral. So we're learning that outward overall brace in your dead bug. Now, after we've done those two things, we've mobilized our body, we've stabilized that range of motion, we're ready to move into our strength training. You always wanna put your big lift of the day, so that thing that you plan on really working and going heavy in, first. It's when you're most fresh, it's when your body is not taxed yet, and you're gonna be the safest putting that at the front of your workout. So you also wanna think about your goals. Whatever your biggest goal is in the workout, do that first. Maybe your goal for that workout is to improve your conditioning or to improve your muscular endurance. Fine, put those movements first. Often when I'm in the gym and writing a workout for myself, I'm gonna start with my deadlift, my squat, my pull-up, or my bench press. 
There are lots of ways that you can perform these movements. You can do straight sets of that exercise. So that would mean that you're gonna step up to the bar, do your squats, you're gonna rest for anywhere from one to three minutes, you're gonna go back, you're gonna do another set, and you're gonna progress through your sets that way. If strength and maximizing your lifts is your main focus, this is probably the type of set that you want to use. You can also superset. And I like to think of this in sort of two ways. You can either superset your big lift with some kind of exercise that you're thinking of as active recovery. Maybe it's mobility, maybe it's something very light, maybe it's something like a trap raise or a dead bug or a glute bridge, something that's not too taxing because you're really focusing on that main lift. You can also superset with another big compound movement. If you do this, I do suggest pairing a lower body exercise with an upper body exercise or maybe a lower body with a core, something where you're allowing each muscle group to rest while you're doing the alternate exercise. But this is great if you wanna keep your heart rate up a little bit more throughout your workout. A lot of people love to do that and it aligns well with their goals and that's great. I do want you to know that you don't necessarily have to do it this way. I think at one point in my life I thought that if I was doing a workout, I needed to be moving and doing something hard at all times. When in reality, if you give yourself a little bit of rest, you're gonna be mentally and physically that much more dialed into your actual lift and you're gonna be able to maximize it that much more. So that's kind of for you to play with, again, a little bit individualized, no right or wrong way to do it. The last thing that you can do is you can do it in more of a circuit style. This is where you have anywhere from three to maybe six exercises back to back to back to back to back. You're kind of moving from one to the next with minimal rest. This is the one that's gonna get your heart rate up the most. It's gonna kind of keep you moving a little bit more. If this is the style that you're choosing, I do suggest that you don't try to max out your weights and go your heaviest as you do this. So this is a little bit more for getting you moving, keeping things interesting, getting those endorphins going, and that's great. The intention behind that kind of workout is definitely different than your straight sets strength training. When I ride a workout for myself, the most common thing that I do is I pick my big lift, let's say it's deadlifts that day, and then I normally give myself two to three minutes of rest and I take an active rest, so I'll do something in between. Then I'll have maybe one more set of two or three exercises that are strength exercises. So I'll either superset or have a set of three, and my intention on those is still to go pretty heavy and still focus on strength. So I'm definitely not running from one exercise to the next, but I am alternating, and so the intensity is a little bit higher on those movements. Then I follow it up with some accessory work. Accessory work can mean many different things. Basically, this is not the main focus of your workout, but it's kind of supplementary work for whatever else it is that you're working on. So if you know that you have a specific weakness or something that you're trying to improve on, maybe you're trying to improve your patterning on some lift or you're trying to improve your single leg stability, something like that, this is the place where you can work on that. This is also the place where I would throw any kind of quote unquote vanity exercises. So you wanna get a pump on your arms and do some bicep curls, great. This is where you would do that. 
And then finally, the last section, if you're somebody that craves that taxed feeling at the end of your workout, that you sort of have this mentality where you need to be not flat on your back, but you need to be taxed, um, that you need to have worked, that you want your heart rate to spike up, you wanna get that sweat on, then you can throw in some kind of finisher. So this is often where I use conditioning movements and I love sprints at times, the rowing machine is great. You can do kettlebell swings or kettlebell complexes, some carries, crawls, maybe some animal flow. Maybe you can put a bunch of those together in a circuit. You could definitely do this Tabata style. I know a lot of people like to do that. But the end of the workout, if you're focusing on strength and if you are strength training, the end of your workout is a great time to do this. And honestly, guys, this does not have to be long. You can do one Tabata, go hard, and you spiked your heart rate. You've gotten the effect of getting your heart rate up, which is so good for you. Don't overthink it. Don't feel like you have to do so much. Okay, so that's the structure of your workout. First we mobilize, then we stabilize or activate, and that's all kind of part of the warm-up. Then we focus on our strength section, and you can structure that in a couple of different ways. Then you would move into your accessory work. You would round it out with that finisher or conditioning at the end of the workout. We've picked your exercises. We know what your workout is gonna look like for the day. Now we need to talk about reps, sets, and rest. This can be really confusing for people and I really just want you to know you don't need to overcomplicate it. There's no right and wrong way to do it, so don't stress out too much. There's not that big of a difference between doing eight reps or nine reps of something. Okay, so let's definitely not overthink this. At the same time, I'm gonna give you some considerations for how to determine how many reps and sets of an exercise that you're doing. Remember, you always want to start with your goals. What are your goals for this program? If your goal is muscular endurance, or being able to do the same thing over a long period of time, then you're gonna wanna be in a higher rep range. So I would say anywhere from 12 to 15 is gonna be mostly muscular endurance. If your goal is hypertrophy, so that's just to grow the size of your muscles, then you're gonna wanna be in probably the eight to 12 rep range. And then if your goal is truly strength, you're gonna wanna be at probably six or less reps. Now, all that being said, you have to take into consideration how much experience you have in the gym. These dedicated rep ranges are pretty effective and accurate for somebody that has a lot of training experience or has a higher training age. So someone that's been training for maybe a minimum of two years, you can probably use these pretty well. If you've been training for less time than that and you're more of a beginner to strength training, you're gonna wanna focus on good quality movement and you're gonna improve all of these things as long as you're doing that, kinda no matter what rep range you're in. I would stick to a little bit on the higher side. A lot of my quote unquote beginners or people with a little bit younger of a training age, I like to start in the eight to 10 rep range. It gives you time, lots of reps to practice quality movement, so we're really grooving the patterns. And then that also means that we're not choosing weights that are gonna be unsafe in any way. On that note, 
Every rep that you perform should look the same. So if you just picked up weights and then all of a sudden, either the quality of movement changed, your tempo changed, your form changed, the angle of your body changed, if anything became different, it's probably too heavy for you. Drop your weights. So there are lots of things to take into consideration when you're doing your reps. Like I said, a great place to start if you're newer to this is eight to 10 reps. And then maybe once you've done eight to 10 reps for your first program, then I like to drop it to six to eight reps. It gives us a chance to up those weights a little bit, to start playing with the range that's getting at primarily strength, but we're still not shooting for one rep maxes or anything like that. If you've been training for a really long time consistently, or maybe you're a trainer and you feel like you've dabbled in all the rep ranges at some period of time, then I like to think about what have you been doing most recently? Have you been doing five sets of five deadlifts for the past couple months? Okay, well then maybe that's a great chance to bump up your rep range a little bit and get at a different energy system. So maybe you wanna start training three sets of 10. It's often the most effective to throw a stimulus at your body that it hasn't been doing. That's when we get better. That's when there's room for growth and improvement. So also something to take into consideration, what rep ranges have you been tending to live in and can you change that up in some way? Some of this choosing of rep ranges for specific exercises definitely comes with experience. So try things out on yourself see how they feel. Every body is also different and will respond differently to different rep ranges. So that's just something that you kind of have to feel out, but don't be paralyzed by thinking that there's a wrong way to do it. Once you've chosen the rep range that you want to work in and you understand your goals, then you want to think about sets. So sets are where we get our volume in. If you're working in one of the higher rep ranges, I would keep it your sets lower. So anywhere from two to four sets is going to be great. If you're starting to dabble in those lower ranges, that's when maybe you want to do more sets because you're going to need more sets to get in that same amount of volume for your body and get that really good stimulus out of your workout. Five sets of five is one of the most classic strength training schemes that you can use. I'll also do four sets of six, or if I'm lower, I'll even do six sets of three play around with it, see what feels good for you. When you're thinking about the section of your workout that's more of your accessory movements, you probably wanna stick with higher rep ranges. So I would probably stick in the eight to 15 rep range. You're not gonna wanna go too much lower than that unless you have a specific reason for doing so on that movement. The way that we get better, the way that we get stronger or faster or more powerful or whatever it is, the way we get better when we're running a strength training program is through progressive overload. So this is a concept where you progressively challenge it just a little bit more so that you actually see results and actually get closer to whatever it is that you're striving for. This is the problem when people are going to classes all the time and they're not following a program, they're not keeping track of their reps, sets, weights, what exercises they're doing when, is that there's not really much opportunity for progressive overload. You're kind of just confusing your body all the time. You're throwing something different. You're keeping it really varied, which mentally can be really fun. And I definitely am a proponent of classes here and there because there's a lot of amazing things about them. But when you're thinking about training and reaching specific goals, 
there's not a lot of opportunity for true progressive overload within a class. So this is the beauty of sticking to a program, whether you've written it for yourself, whether your trainer's written it for you, whether a friend has written it for you. Having a program that you're going to follow over four weeks is great to help you actually progress yourself. There are lots of different ways to accomplish progressive overload, so I want to just kind of touch on a couple of them. The easiest, most straightforward way is to increase your weights. So if you're picking up a certain weight in week one, hopefully by the end of your program, you're picking up a heavier weight. Reps, if you increase your reps. So we like to work in rep ranges. So oftentimes I like to work in say a six to eight rep range and I write that on the program because if I can do a certain weight for six reps in one week, maybe I'll be able to get another rep in good form out the next week. And I want to do that if I'm able. You can also increase your sets. So sometimes I'll have, I'll start out a program in week one, maybe I'm doing two or three sets. And then by week four, I'm hitting four sets of that certain movement or superset or circuit. You can also play with tempo, slowing down your movement, playing with the time under tension, the time that your muscles are under tension. That's definitely more of a stress on your body. And then my final way to do it is mess with your rest. So maybe in the first week, you needed a couple minutes in between your sets before you felt like you were recovered and ready to hit your next set hard. You can try to reduce that as the weeks go on, especially if your goal is muscular endurance. That's something that you may wanna take a peek at. Also, if you see your quality of movement improve from one week to another, that's definitely a win. That's definitely something to be celebrated. So all of these things are ways that we can see progress over the course of a strength training program. And those are things that you want to track because let's be honest, those small wins, those things that we see that we've done better, we see it down on paper, or you can see it in the video you took of yourself. That's what keeps you motivated. That's why this shit is so fun because we love to get better. We love to see improvements over time. Thank you to everybody who sent in questions regarding this topic this week. They were really helpful in understanding what kinds of things that everyone's wondering about when they're trying to write a workout. I think I covered a lot of them in what I just talked about, but there are a couple of others that I want to address specifically. So as he was asking, how do you make sure that you're training everything evenly? And then she also asked, what are the best things to mobilize? What's the best cardio? So making sure that you're training everything evenly, this is where you want to kind of take that zoomed out macro look at your training over the course of the week. Make sure that you're hitting all of those categories of movements, that you're hitting your big lifts at least once a week. Making sure that you're complementing your bilateral movements with unilateral movements. So I would say that if you're hitting all of those things at least once or twice a week, you're probably doing pretty well. Now, if there are certain parts of your body that are perpetually more sore or more tight than others, maybe that means that you're overtraining those areas and that's something that you want to take a look at. I also want to reiterate that because we do so much sitting and rounding forward and texting, it's not a bad idea to maybe double your pulling movements as opposed to your pushing movements over the course of the week. Best things to mobilize. Hate to say it, but it's different for everybody. So the best things to mobilize are whatever you feel like is limiting you. 
my biggest limiting area in my body is my ankles. Most people are going to want to do some kind of hip mobility unless you're, you have maybe a background as a gymnast or a dancer and you're that unicorn that can like put your leg over your head, then okay, maybe you don't need hip mobility before your workout, but most of us do. And then most of us also need some kind of shoulder mobility. I love pec stretches. Like I said, I like those banded stretches. I love releasing the traps. T-spine extensions are amazing. There are a couple of ways to do that. You can look those up on YouTube. Best cardio, whatever you'll actually do. (laughs) Um, I think you guys have heard me say this before, but I definitely don't emphasize cardio. Having an elevated heart rate and in moderate exercise is very healthy. We know this, this is well studied. Being active and living that active as opposed to sedentary lifestyle is very important. That being said, I don't think that anybody needs to be trying to run for 30 minutes multiple times a week or trying to hit sprints four times a week. I just don't think we need to be doing it. I think that you can get a lot of cardio and a lot of this benefit from having your heart rate up in your strength training. And for a lot of us, that's a great intensity level. And that's something that's gonna keep us feeling good and not feeling exhausted and taxed. I think also for women, this is a really important consideration. The more that we do cardio, yes, it definitely burns energy and therefore requires fuel. But if you're doing, let's say, bouts of cardio two times a week, eventually your body is going to get used to it that's what our bodies do. They adapt. So our metabolism is going to reach a level where that's our new baseline. So now to burn more energy, you're going to need to do bouts of cardio three times a week. Eventually your body is going to get used to it. Your metabolism is actually going to rev down a little bit to conserve the energy that it knows you're going to need for that cardio. And then that's going to become your new baseline. So then what's next? You're going to do cardio four times, five times, six, like it can become endless and you're going to burn yourself out. Yes, there are many benefits of cardiovascular training. No, I don't think you need to be killing yourself doing it. And this is really why we talk about strength training as being a sustainable form of fitness, because with strength training, you're actually going to build muscle, which is a tissue that burns a lot of energy. So it's going to do the opposite and actually rev your metabolism up. If you are craving a little bit of intensity, personally, my favorite ways to do it are through kettlebell complexes, really quick sprints, or hopping on the rowing machine for intervals. I have a lot of clients that I know love to go to boxing classes. That might be a really fun option for cardio. I just think that it's always going to be more sustainable to focus on your strength training as opposed to thinking about how much cardio you're getting in over the week. If anyone has questions on that, that's something that I would love to chat about more. I find that to be a super interesting topic. Paige is asking, how do you start lifting without any lifting experience? That's a great question. Oftentimes the gym can be a really intimidating place for someone that maybe hasn't stepped foot in that environment or it's been forever, or maybe their only experience in the weight room was back in high school when they played a sport. It can be really intimidating. What the hell do you do? Is anybody looking at me? I'm gonna feel out of place. All those things are definitely running through your head. I think at the beginning, the absolute very best thing that you can do is find a good quality trainer. Somebody that's gonna help you navigate that, that's gonna help you learn a little bit about your body, I think that is it really is invaluable. There are some online trainers that are legit. 
Ideally, you would want to find one that does a personalized program for you, not somebody that's just spitting out a generic program without any consideration for your body or your lifestyle. Of course, I know that those things come with a financial burden and they're not accessible to everybody. So then what do you do? I think that working with someone, so maybe it's a friend that knows their way around the weight room a little bit more. I think working with someone is always a better idea at the beginning than going by yourself. Even now, there are a lot of things that happen with my body that I don't realize and that getting a second set of eyes on is really valuable for me to understand and get feedback about my movement and how things are looking. So getting that set of eyes on you that can make sure that your form looks good, that everything looks safe is really important. If you are on your own, don't be afraid to videotape yourself. I do this all the time in my big lifts. I just set up my phone. I prop it up against a dumbbell or a water bottle or something. I analyze my lift after. How does it look? Was my bar path straight? Did it seem like I was upright enough? Was I maintaining a neutral spine? Was I shifting one way or the other? Did my quality of movement change? Did it look like I was compensating in some way? All of these things I like to look at and assess after my lift because as much as I like to think I'm bodily aware, it's hard to feel all of these things when you're doing the actual lift. Obviously, like definitely educating yourself about what proper form looks like. You wanna be kind of careful with YouTube because there's some great stuff out there, but then there's also some kind of shitty stuff out there. Find a source that you feel confident is quality information. I do feel like I need to say that likely the best sources of fitness information are not coming from a magazine. They're coming from someone or an organization that's been coaching and in the industry for a long period of time. Someone that has worked with athletes, someone that you feel confident has worked with people that are performing well and high performing, not just people whose bodies look really good. Educate yourself as much as possible. Understand what muscles you should be targeting and trying to feel in your lifts. Like I said, a lot of us are quad dominant, so we could do the movements, but we just feel our quads the whole time. When in reality, for example, something like a split squat or a lunge, you really wanna be feeling your glutes. The last thing I'll say about a beginner starting off in the gym is just don't try to go too hard too fast. Your body isn't ready for it. It's okay to start really slow. It's okay to start with two sets of 10, of four exercises and call it a day. Like that's okay. Changes and benefits happen when we make small incremental changes that we can actually sustain. I remember when I was in college and I was just trying to start to dabble in fitness, I put on um, one of those, well, what is it? Not P90X, the other one. Insanity, I put on an insanity video and out of the gate, I tried to do the whole 60 minute video. And of course it was, miserable and so hard and I was like dying and couldn't even get through it but also the next day I actually couldn't walk like I was so miserable that it lasted a week because it was just way too much for my body it made me exhausted I didn't feel good like definitely wasn't sustainable so don't fall victim to that and seeing these workouts and people working out and think that you have to go all in a hundred percent right out of the gate be easy on yourself Let yourself learn about your body. If you're feeling just a little bit sore the next day, fantastic. That's probably your indication that you went just the right amount. 
One more thing on that, when you are doing sets of things, ideally we like to say that your last two reps were really hard. If you could have done two more reps easily, it's time to bump up your weights, do some extra sets, look at those progressive overload techniques, because likely you weren't actually challenging your body quite enough to stimulate those changes. Catherine is asking, how do I get all of these things, a full effective workout in, in one hour? An amazing question because let's be real, time is money and we like to get in and out of the gym quickly because we've got a lot of shit to do, we're busy and it's hard, we can't all be dedicating two hours of our day just to go to the gym. So I wanna kind of break down for you guys the timing of this workout structure. I would dedicate at least 10 minutes to mobility. Unless you're one of those amazing people who you're hyper mobile and maybe you don't even need this much time, I would say for most of us, a minimum of 10 minutes is really required. Then you're looking at six to eight minutes for your activation section, maybe two sets of those exercises that you've picked. And that leaves you 35 to 40 minutes to focus on strength and accessory work. So maybe that's around 12 minutes for each set of things there. And guys, that really is enough time. Again, more work isn't always better work, okay? We're talking about efficiency. We're talking about quality movement, always. Quality over quantity. And then if you follow that scheme, depending on how quickly you went, you might have anywhere from two to seven, eight, nine minutes to throw in a finisher at the end. And that's your hour. Now, I will say that if I do have any extra time, sometimes I'll mobilize for 30 minutes or sometimes I'll stay after and I'll get in a really great stretch afterward. If you have extra time, yes, you can always use it on body work, but it's not required to get in a really good workout. Okay, guys, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about this for now. I hope that was helpful. If you have any other questions regarding anything that I talked about or maybe you have specific questions for yourself, please let me know, reach out, send me a message. I would also love any feedback on this format, on this solo episode. If you have any specific topics that you want me to delve into more, you want me to talk about, I am definitely always open to that kind of input. That's gonna wrap up this episode about how to write a workout. I hope that everyone has a fantastic week this week. As always, I am so appreciative if you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Each and every one of you listeners really means so much to me and I appreciate all of you. Thanks a lot, everybody. Make sure that you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.